Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Columpod, my wife's kid brother's favourite podcast about LA's greatest detective. This week we'll be causing a big yin as we blow the roof off while composing the perfect murder. Yes, it's murder with too many notes. And joining me to play the right nods, but not necessarily in the right order, is Stephen Graham, who is an author. Yes, yes I am. Yes, he is. I really am. Hmm. What's your book called? Uh, my book is called The Faces of Fascism. And, um, you know, because fascism is just so big right now, isn't it? Mm. So uh, um, it's a combined biography of the early lives of uh, Mussolini, Hitler and Franco, sort of detailing their rises to power and their uh, and sort of the, the, the start of the Second World War. Couldn't be arsed with the end of it because... Yeah, everyone knows that bit. Yeah, you know, you want to get the good stuff. The good stuff's always That's when start. Spain said, Franco, my dear, I don't give a damn about fascism. <laughs> Indeed he did. Except everybody didn't. Everyone liked him. <laughs> oh, no, he didn't. He was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. He shot all the rats, though. Basil Ford He did, yeah. <laughs> he was... He wanted, uh, O'Reilly wanted to phone him up. That's right. <laughs> You're a lovely woman, Mr. Franco. Um, so... We we've just we want to be talking about doing this for a bit, and mm. you picked the Billy Connolly episode. Yeah, um, I mean, well, I mean, y- you asked me to uh, do this when you started, uh, yeah. when you when you finally got with the rest of us and yes. started to watch the greatest TV detective show ever made, mm. and um, you asked me what episode I wanted to look at, and I listed off a load of my favourites, but they'd already been allocated because they're brilliant, and everyone would have wanted to do them. Yes. So I decided I'm going to give you an absolute drizzling shitter and we're going to go to almost the very end of the the run. This is the penultimate episode of Columbo. Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> and it's a, it really was. I mean, I... At, at one point, 
Um, this may have even been the last one. And, and in fact, at some points, it may not have even been broadcast. After this was made, it sat on a shelf oh, wow. for about for about two years uh, unbroadcast because the networks were just, they'd, they'd already given up on Columbo, sadly. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very brave because you know how all policemen, all detectives in TV have a little, a niche, something that they do. Mm, yeah. You know, Thor, not Thor, Morse. He likes opera and bitter. Mm-hmm. Um, Sherlock Holmes like a pipe and heroin. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 2000, what year was this? 2001? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, well, shooting wrapped in it in December 98. Oh, okay. Well, and uh, yeah, so it was, they wanted it to go out in spring 99, but mm-hmm. um, because it was made back to back with another episode also directed by Patrick McGowan. Yeah. Uh, which it didn't get any viewers. <laughs> so they, they just thought, yeah, fuck it. Um, well, but I they must it, have just had us. I, I think they had a gap in the schedule, so instead of sticking some postman pat on, they put this on instead. <laughs> I think it's very good that by now Columbo's niche is that he has he has basic dementia. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is the this is the the difference between nineties Columbo and seventies Columbo. I absolutely yeah. love seventies Columbo, mm. and but yeah, you're not going to you know you know he's he's putting on act, whereas at, at this stage now he's just basically going up to. I, I, you, and you say that these people get inside the television without <laughs> being there. They're not actually this small. Oh, well, oh, oh, gee. <laughs> yeah, you're not yeah. sure if it's an actor or if he's genuinely gone senile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and they've also, I mean, they've they make his hair wacky. Oh. Um, he's uh, there's a lot more studied eccentricity going on with the character that is just too over the top i think it's a bit brave in this episode as well for the whole duration of the episode he's got a a moped sticking out of his arsehole (laughs) (laughs) i think they want i think mcgoom was like i think this will work i think we should put a moped up your arse colombo that's a great idea patrick yeah uh it's a funny relationship they had really because i mean Peter Falk was as controlling and dictatorial about this program as McGowan was mm. about everything he worked on. But for some reason, the two of them just gelled and were, and they respected each other so much that they were these two dictators were able to get along, unlike th- the dictators in the faces of fascism. My book, well, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Do you think by this point they both shared a sense of malaise that they couldn't give two shits? They just wanted to pick up some money. I, I think so. I think um I mean I'm a massive fan of Patrick McGowan, but mm. he is he is the guilty man in this uh in this play that we are going forward on. Um the amount of rewrites I mean he rewrote this episode pretty much top to bottom. Yes, the original writer said it didn't resemble his script by the end. Yeah, and mm. um and he, he took out clues that were important and <laughs> he he moved a lot of things around. Um and if it got to the extent that the writer, uh, some poor guy called Jeffrey Carver, who, mm. this is his only writing credit. Um, He's not, the brother, of course, of Ian Champagne. That's the one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the, the cousin of Jeffrey Brute. Mm. Um, but he uh, he complained to the Writers Guild of America because McGowan was trying to give himself the screenplay credit. Mm. Um, and he eventually got that changed. But I mean, this and this was McGowan's first screenplay or writing credit since The Prisoner. Wow. And I mean, and he had to leave the country after that. So oh, I mean, yeah. but uh, and at one point, there's a excellent bit. It's in the um, the book Shooting Columbo. Apparently, at mm. one point during filming, like this poor guy is sitting there watching these changes being made to his script, and McGowan just 
turns around and leans over him and he goes, does it hurt yet? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's back, I mean, yeah, God bless. Patrick McGoon was barking mad. but Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but he was a very good barking man. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah. He drank a bottle of whiskey a day. He was totally out of his mind a lot of the time. But, yeah, he, he, was, he was crazy. But, you know, the, the best creatives are. They Except are. in this one instance. <laughs> well, talking of creatives, we should talk about Finlay Crawford. Finlay? Has anyone seen Crawford? <laughs> oh, I do say. Oh, yeah, I love that. See, what you're saying there is something I didn't realise until today, until someone pointed out. Mm. That is an excellent reference to a bit from an audience of Billy Connolly. Yeah, it's an amazing... Well, that was another change McGowan made. When I was going to say, is that a McGowan change? Yeah, he. well, I, I, think, I think this name was Connolly's suggestion, but... Um, mm. He changed the names of every character in this for some reason. Uh, and, um, yeah, the original villain was called Paradiso. Oh, wow. First name Guesthouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, that's the most depressing cinema experience of my life. Oh, my God. Can you can you remember that? Do you remember how excited you were going in? I did. I went the day it was released. I think I did as well. Myself. Such a... Yeah. Friday night after school and mm. me and my one friend, and my friend, my one friend, mm. and... We were the only people there, and it was really quite depressing. Oh, yeah, such a flat, such a weird flat film, isn't it? Yeah, as a, well as a, I mean, that had its own directorial issues as well, didn't it? Because I yeah, think Aid and Rick were going to co-direct, but then Rick had his accident, mm. and Aid had to do it all himself. And so, yeah, there's, there's another podcast in that, I'm sure. There is. Yeah. We should do that one day. Mm, yeah, get that noted down. After our triumphant boys in blue. Anyway, so, <laughs> Finley Crawford. Finley. Hey, hey. Got, I'm trying to compose a film. Oh, lieutenants, in your in, in your wee overcoat there, you look a bit like a wee beige jobby. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's conducting an orchestra for real. Mm-hmm. And ab- above them, well, he's waving his arms about. Yeah, he's the, the yeah. The, there was no training involved uh, in how to yeah. conduct an orchestra. They yeah. said to him, "You know, when you go in the bathroom and the hand dryer's not working, just do it." Just <laughs> <laughs> basically what you do is go, ah, ah. Yeah, and the, the, the music's really overbearing. You'd think this was being directed yeah. by Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Except you can hear them talk, <laughs> and they're in a much bigger room. <laughs> yeah. The first half an hour is him going. <laughs> I thought. Um, I mean, he didn't stick to his guns and shoot the sex scene out of order. No, I, I know. I, I would have. I, I, yeah, that, I, I wouldn't see a Christopher Nolan sex scene like that. But yeah, <laughs> I digress. It's a very weird sex scene. It's, 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 if someone said to me, "Oh, Christopher Nolan's done a sex scene," and I couldn't picture it in my head, and I watched it, and I was like, "Yeah, of course it's like that." <laughs> it's just like look, they're having sex. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know tits. Loads of tits. Yeah. Yeah, Christopher fucking more like. (laughs) That's what you want to see. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, um, let's see, we're doing that thing that you subconsciously do where you don't really want to talk about the episode. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Anyway, so he's he's conducting, but meanwhile, because he's previously won an Academy Award, we find out later, for a film Mm. called, and I I love it, they they do it in Scream as well, where they can't think of a good name for a slasher film. Yeah. Because in in Scream, isn't it called like Stab? Stab, yeah. Which no one would go and see. No. And this is called the killer. The killer, yeah. Which is the most, which feels like a first draft. Mm. 
and also the I think um, I don't know if the Academy Awards are copyrighted, but oh, they're not yeah. allowed to. They, they only ever say that Finley Crawford has won like the big prize or right. a film award. When they see the big mm. prize, it's like he won a meat raffle, yeah, or something. I'm not quite sure. He won but... the best grey pubes. <laughs> went up in my incontinence trousers. <laughs> 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 of course, well, we discussed this in a previous episode, but this is the second Connolly family member to appear in Colombo. Oh yeah, there was um was uh... Pamela has a one role cameo. Oh in, yeah, um, butterflies a shade of grey, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Is that, is that the Shatner one? Yes. 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 I remember that one. Yeah. I think it's that one, but she's she's like not credited, and she says like one line. Yeah. Yeah. But the, that was that sort of period where Pamela Stevenson was turning up in everything, having just a couple of lines. I was watching yeah, because. I, she was moving into being a uh, psychologist, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. So she could, you know, tell me about your childhood trauma, Billy, and I can write a book about it. Well, when I was little, I didn't have grey pubes. He <laughs> <laughs> sounded like Don and George there. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, so, but meanwhile, he's got a protege, mm. a, a young man called Gabe McHenry. Yes. And what he does, much like a sort of small child would do if his dad was a conductor, he's gone up on the roof. And he's listening via radio, which is quite quaint when they say that. Mm. And he's conducting to nobody because what he wants to do ultimately is take over from the master. Yes. And we get a bit of portent here because the security guard comes up and goes, What you doing on the roof, you crazy kid? You might fall off and die. <laughs> You're not insured. We're not insured up the wazoo on this one. Yeah, for some reason, he's always up there whenever Crawford yeah. conducts. It's quite, you know what? If he was my protege, mm. I'd fucking hate him, and I'd hate that he was upstairs trying to upstage me to nobody. I know that's it. Yeah. It's like that thing. It's like when like that kid at school who'd go off and read a, a book of poetry up a tree just in the hope that girls would notice yeah. him. Yeah. And the, yeah. No, we know what you're really doing there. You only stay up there for ten minutes because you get bored. Yeah. Don't stay up there. You'll get grippy. <laughs> but the only people who notice him is the sort of the overweight security guard. So mm. it's not really working. Not really. But um, they then watch the, or the, the, the... He comes down to Billy Connolly. Mm-hmm. Uh, talks to his... First he talks to his girlfriend, who's the p- pianist. Yes. And then he goes to Billy Connolly and goes, you know what, I had a listen. Really good, but I've got some thoughts. And Connolly, obviously, by this point we realise that... Yeah. Uh, he doesn't want anybody to know. Gabe's the ideas Gabe. man. Yes. And Crawford is stealing his credit. Much like the the, the mentor and uh, mentee relationship going on in the scripting of this episode, funnily yeah. enough. <laughs> but I like the bit where he say, Billy Connolly goes, oh, well, everybody else, you take five. You know, take five guys. And that guy stands up and goes, hey, I gotta get me some donuts and caffeine. <laughs> and everyone laughs. What a dry work environment! Oh, it's the, the oh, I think you know a lot of the comedy that will be in this is is McGowan thinking this is how human beings interact. Yes, um, <laughs> just, I don't know when he last spoke to a person. I mean, he had no idea that he was acting when he was playing Edward the First. Um, he just oh, God, that's just his no. everyday life. He should have been He's, in Stella Street. Oh, God, he would have been amazing. Because the Dirk Bogard uh, character in Stella Street is McGowan, essentially, isn't he? Has anyone told you to have a very queer pair to run a corner shop? <laughs> told you a very queer pair altogether. There is some... I mean, Billy Connolly's lines in this, I don't know if... Mm. Uh, according to what I was researching in this, um, they, McGowan did not want to act in it. I think Falk wanted him to. All right. Um, but he'd, he'd already been the baddie and directed yes. the previous one. Mm. And... 
But, and he looks like a scrotum. Yes, but Connolly's yeah. lines. There's one. What is it? I've got it written down here. I am consumed with curiosity. I mean, that's mm. such a Magoon line. Such a, such a thing he would say. But um, the the writer actually wanted Jeremy Irons uh, oh. to, be, but he was too expensive. Sadly, I was going to say he'd have been amazing. He would have been. But um, you, you know what? He would have been good. As I talked about, we talked about in our previous episode. Mm-hmm. Ian McShane would have been a good. Oh, he would have been. Yeah, bad Ian. It's for Peter Falk had this sort of wish list of guest actors which the hmm. the studios would never indulge because they were all far too expensive Hulk Hogan um, he wanted uh, who, who did he want amongst them he wanted uh, Peter Ustinov um, Dusty Rhodes from the Dusty WWE Rhodes. I killed him daddy <laughs> my sweet sweet oh my you're just running through the people I can do impressions of now <laughs> yeah, I, know. And, I, know. I know what I'm doing and he, go, and, uh, he wanted Peter Sellers and um, uh, Orson Welles uh, I mean, if they were they'd still be making it now <laughs> if yeah, they were yeah. in a colour, they would never if have he, got done. He'd have got sellers for like the seventy-seven series because by then he was doing any old shit. Yeah, but he would have wanted to play about. He'd have wanted to play every character, and his name would have been Hamilton Minge. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you want me for murder. Whereas, uh, whereas Orson Welles would have just refused to do any scenes uh, where he's not oh, seated. Yeah. That's right, <laughs> and chomping on a huge cigar. Yeah. Ah, the French. <laughs> he just points at the dead body. He doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so Gabe's, Gabe tells Billy Connolly's ideas, and then they they show the film to the director. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've now because what they did before is that Connolly had scored every stab of the knife. Bing, bing, bing. Mm. But Gabe's idea was no, leave no music, make it more powerful. So they show him the film with no music. The director goes, "That you're a genius." Yeah. And I thought, um, "Is he?" No, I mean, well, I mean, less is more. That's the. That's true. That's the thing. I mean, yeah, this this guy Crawford's a hack. He is. He, got he totally lucky. is. Yeah. Yeah. He made all this money off those biscuit boxes, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Him and Steve Rover. That's them. <laughs> um, but he says um, this is amazing, and then Connolly's like, "Yeah, it was my." But he doesn't say it. But he basically intimates my idea. Hmm. So Gabe's very upset. He is very upset, but uh, Crawford decides to placate him, and he fancies a drink because he's Scottish. Yeah. And uh, let's go back to the bungalow. Hey, I've got a wee bungalow on the studio lot, and you can blow my fussel whistle. Uh, and I mean, obviously, Connolly does fancy a drink because he was partying hard at this point. Was he? Uh, yeah, he was. Um, well, you know, guy from the east end of Glasgow, and he's let loose in LA in the nineties. He is oh. he is caning it, but he turned up. Uh, one date, one shoot for this, hmm. uh, slurring and forgetting his lines, and McGowan gave him an absolute public bollocking oh, really? in front of the whole crew, and wow. uh, yeah, so Connolly had to go off back to his trailer and get clean and uh, and memorise his lines. So it was quite a. But I mean, uh, I haven't read Billy Connolly's autobiography, but he no. um, he do- apparently he does look back fondly on being in Colombo, and he has a, f- a photo of himself with Falk and McGowan on his mantelpiece. So it's something oh, wow. he's proud of. Um, so I'm glad one... What was his autobiography called? Uh, Windswept and Interesting. Oh, I wanted a better pun than that. Yeah. That's just a thing he likes to always... That's how he always used to like to refer to himself. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> with his, with his, his lovely hair. Yeah, he's got lovely hair. He, he still's does. got lovely he hair. He does. Uh, it's very... You know, he's been the, the, you know, the envy of many a Glasgow shipyard worker. It had all been burned off by the flying sparks. <laughs> but, uh, and also... I was I was thinking about things Billy Connolly did in the nineties. It was mm. towards the end of the nineties that he did the Lotto ads. Do you remember them? 
oh god yeah. oh live a little live a lot oh, yeah. yeah and he had his little bit of beard on his chin that was dyed purple or yeah or he used to do that i was thinking as well because i think he, he had he recently done mrs brown before this I think he was around the same time. Yeah, I hope Mr. Brown didn't find out. But um, <laughs> but uh, so I think that's probably what... I don't know if that's what got him this. Because the only other thing I could remember was he did a, a really awful sitcom uh, in, oh, God. in the early yeah. night. I don't think it ever made it over here. He did two. Yeah. He, d- he did Top of the Class. That's the one. Because he took over from Howard... Oh, I've forgotten his name. Howard Heiselman or something? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, he's the guy from Police Academy 2. Mm. He was originally the teacher and then he left and Billy Connolly took over. Yeah. And I then, think he had his own sitcom called Billy as yeah, well. Yeah, which was a spin-off. He, he played yes. the same character. Oh. But um, the, the only um, reference you ever find to it is when there, if, there's, if there's a documentary about Billy Connolly, they always say, yeah, he did this and it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work. Because Billy Connolly on script doesn't work when I mean, he's allowed to because they did let him go off on his tangents and start mm. you know riffing and firing so and those are those bits are hilarious and you can find anyone in the class got pubes. <laughs> <laughs> also they they did that thing where he had long hair and they, they was completely clean shaven and it looked weird yeah he'd had to do that he had to i mean i, I, I can still remember when i was a kid the first time he shaved his beard off because mm. it, it was for a film and it made the front page of the Daily Record up here. That was the biggest news in Scotland. Um, but then, so he was in Boondock Saints as well. I don't remember that one. He turns up at the end of the trial. Yeah. Oh. What was the one I remember watching him in? I watched, the Man Who Sued God. That's the one, yeah, that was quite yeah. good. I watched him in a thing recently uh, with David Tennant. Um, oh, what was it hmm. called? It was like What We Did on Our Holidays or something. He plays the grandfather in that because he was at that yeah. stage of his career then. Um, but it was oh, oh. by the guys who did Outnumbered, so it was um, Hamilton and Jenkin. Oh, and, yeah. yeah it's, it's, re- it's really good, worth a watch. Oh, he's also in um, Lemony Snicket. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> never saw he's that one. one of the eccentric relatives. Yeah. He d- he talks about his film career in his stand-up. He talks about, mm. you know, he he's the only actor who died in a Muppet film. That's true. Uh, because when you when yeah. when you're when you're British, that's what you do. You play the guy who comes yeah. in and dies. Yeah. <laughs> at least he didn't come. At least he didn't come and then die. That would have been a terrible thing in a Muppet film. Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Look, picky. I've got grill. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, they go back to his bungalow. They're back in the bungalow. And uh, he's Gabe's livid because he's like, I've been working with you for you for five years. Mm. I do all the work. Yeah. And what I'm, if you don't get me, if you don't help me out soon, I'm going to go to the director. I've I've still got the original scores to the killer mm. with all my notes all over them, and I'm going to expose you. The, the classic, yeah, the, the 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 typical victim's mistake here. Yes, of just saying I'm going to ruin you, and I have the proof, and I'm going to tell you exactly where I keep it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so so suddenly Billy Collie goes. You know what? You're right. Mm. I've I've been mean. And this very evening, I'm going to call Crawford, tell him to take the custard creams out, and then I'm going to tell him that you should get to score the next film on your own. And mm-hmm. you know what? Mm-hmm. Tomorrow night we're we're doing this super duper concert in my honour of all the film scores I've ever done. Because mm-hmm. I think he's supposed to be like some sort of John Williams type. Yeah, he's he? he's like, the the biggest, the top guy. He's, yeah. he's done, but he's only ever worked for this one director. He's he's basically mm-hmm. like it's like Hans Zimmer and. Uh, and, and Richard, not Richard Burton, Tim Burton. Uh, yeah. He's he's just the one guy that this director uses constantly. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and he yeah. says we're we're doing a concert tomorrow night of all my famous film scores. And you know what? After the interval, 
I want you to come up on your own and compose the one you wrote. Yeah. And by then, everybody will know it. It'll be your moment of triumph. What I love about Columbo killers, particularly this one, they think very quick on their feet. Don't yeah, they? he really comes up with his plan <laughs> totally on the hop. It's yeah, uh, yeah he's a very quick-witted man, but uh, yeah, yeah. that's good. And uh, he's already got he's already got the plan in place as well. He's clearly yes. been thinking about this for some time. Because hmm. uh, when, when, when when Nick see him, he's going up to the rooftop with evil in mind. Yes, uh, because our victim handily leaves his conductor stand up there. Yeah, and also he, he performs on the the lip of an elevator. Yes, <laughs> which seems to that security guard didn't mention it, but that seems quite dangerous. Yeah, it's a very and uh, this was a um, this was a, a clue that was excised by McGowan, and that right. door is meant to be locked. It had a lock on it, uh, which Crawford that makes more sense. Yeah, which Crawford was going to remove, and then he replaced it with a like a, a nasty old uh, sort of rusty car lock. Uh, which and so that oh it must have bust um, which Columbo was then going to realise that it was the same lock that was on his own car and I th- which yeah. I think is really funny but, that's really good uh, yeah to but, show that his car's that old so McGowan yeah. went nope that's too good that's going out <laughs> we're going to replace that with buttons that don't have dust on them yes and yeah. uh, and Billy when he's experimenting with the elevator door he puts a comb on it because that's a easy substitute for a human body. Yes, right. <laughs> and it, and it does fall to the ground. So it's brilliant. I mean, who'd have thought? <laughs> who'd have thought? So as you say, he checks it all, and he also times how long it takes for the lift to get up there, which is one minute fifty-eight seconds. Mm, yes, with his little old stopwatch. So the next day, Gabe turns up to the studio, and he's greeted at the gate by the security guard. And he's like, "I'm really excited because everything's going to be great today." Yeah, and he goes to see Becca. His, his girlfriend. piano girlfriend. Yeah, she's not. She's not a girl, piano as a lady. That'd yeah, be weird. and she's given him something big and long. She has, which uh, that he can put in his hands when he's excited <laughs> and wave it around. Wave it around. It's a baton. <laughs> yes, it is. I don't know what you don't know what you what you, you people in listener land were all thinking there, yeah. but yeah. shame on you. Weird. Uh, we don't know what the message says, do we, or do we? Um, well, it's in it's in music, and um, yeah, well, he writes the musical message, which we find out later is total shit. Yeah, it's just their names. Yeah. Uh, what I, I, we need to talk about that later. Yes. I don't know what that proves necessarily. <laughs> no, it doesn't prove anything. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to get to that because I need to ask you about that. So he writes for her a bit of music, which we'll talk about later, mm. and and pops it in his tuxedo to give to her later. Yeah. Ooh. All right. So then uh, Billy Connolly arrives at the studio bungalow, and they're both wearing tux. He's wearing a tuxedo at this point. It's gay. Yeah, even though it's first thing in the morning. In this concert. You look great. Hey, look at you all done up. Isn't that wonderful? It's like when I'm going out dancing up at Socky Hall Street. Try to take a girl home, eh? Hey. Do a bit about welding. Go on. <laughs> Go on. Oh, I've got the welding mask on and we'd put the the wee big long urinal where you'd put the messages in a wee boat and send it down. Nice. Good stuff. <laughs> My wife was in Superman three. Oh, she does, uh, there's a really bad edit in this scene where mm. uh, I can't remember what Gabe's saying, but mm. Billy Connolly says, "I had some news for you," and the reply is, "You said you had some news." <laughs> so there You're must right, yeah. there must have been about five minutes of dialogue that they cut there. <laughs> we also get the line that I love, and he goes, "Oh, so you've probably well, he brings a bottle of champagne to celebrate the mm. momentous thing because he tells him he's spoken to Crawford, which he hasn't." Yes. 
and uh, he uh, he unrolls the silver foil to show there's just a normal cork in there, so it's already mm-hmm. been popped. So, um, and then he says, "So I bet you've gone around town telling everybody." <laughs> oh God! Yeah. yeah. And he goes, "No, I haven't told a soul." And he goes, "Oh, good. Have some champagne." <laughs> and he does do he does do some good stuff here, uh, Billy, where he's he's smiling at him, and then as soon as the champagne is drunk, his his face goes dark. Yeah, it's it's a good shot that. Um, he does. He's, he's doing. He's trying. He's doing some acting here. Yeah, but uh, poor old Gabe, poisoned, and as he falls, because mm. you always get this in Columbo as well. And again, this feels a bit like, and this might be what Gwyn's doing. Yeah. At this point, we're like, well, it's a Columbo episode. We have to have this bit that something happens that the murder doesn't. The murderer doesn't intend to happen. Yes. In this case, he falls on the glass and cuts himself. Yeah, and the as um, Billy is stealing Crawford's keys, the camera. It goes slow motion, hmm. so you you can see it, which is another. Th- so Magoon is really, you know, in in a, a lot of the earlier episodes, that you would be these things are there for you to notice if you're quick and you're paying attention. But he really signposts these things. Yes. Yeah. And he puts because Crawford's sorry, not Crawford. Gabe is wearing trainers, mm-hmm. so he removes his shoes and puts some nice dress shoes on him. Yeah. Then he and he clears up. And then yeah. somehow moves this unconscious body in broad daylight across the studio lot. Complete daylight, no one notices. Yeah. Uh, you know, all the people are there, the workers, the security guys, they're all there. No one sees any of it. Mm. And he takes him to the uh, this industrial elevator. Yes. And sets up the music stand, places the, the baton in his hand, and, and then leaves him there for about nine hours. It's fucking stupid. Imagine if it, like, rained... Oh. Or there was a high wind, which would have blown everything off. Yeah, and the body would have fallen to the ground, completely soaked. <laughs> it's really stupid. I suppose it's LA and it doesn't rain. Yeah, apart from when there's a funeral. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he he goes to the concert, and uh, he's like, "Oh, that's great! I'm here. I'm going to go and do my conducting." Yeah, but uh, um, yeah, he sets up his. Is uh, is ruse by asking them is the baton on the stand? Oh yes. Oh blast! Oh I forgot it. I'll, I'll oh, just blast. go. I'll just go and get it. That's it. <laughs> oh fucking jobbies! <laughs> oh, uh, 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 sorry, Billy. We'd have to do that take again. <laughs> just Americans won't know what jobbies are. <laughs> and yeah, so he goes back and then he does his concert and he's obviously started the lift at this point, so he knows he's got one minute fifty eight seconds. Yeah. Um, and then. The body flops off the roof in front of a man and a lady. Did you notice who plays the lady? Yes, it's uh, it's one of McGowan's daughters. Yes. In her only screen credit. Only screen credit. Um, I think he had four daughters, or three, hmm. um, and they all did... Well, they all acted in things he made. I don't know if they ever did anything else. I wish my dad was like that. I, I know. Wish, I'd like to have been Barry Van Dyke, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd have loved to have been a Nepo baby. Yeah, Patrick I, Wayne. Yeah, or um, yeah. Uh, Roy Walker's son. Oh yeah, Mark Walker. Mark Walker yeah. He does a Billy Connolly because he says, "Hello, it's me, the Big Yen, <laughs> Billy Connolly." <laughs> you can't have two ghosts telling us who it is. No, oh god! But uh, before um, our victim falls off the roof, we yeah. do get the bit where the director he, he has to stall the audience while Billy mm. is. I'm, I'm just off to murder somebody. Could you <sighs> just keep them talking? Ask them where they're from. You know, do a bit of banter. <laughs> Oh yeah. Used to do it when I was on the folk scene, you know, I was tuning my banjo. But uh with my banana boots. 
That's my good Scottish accent. That's a top one. I thought I, I thought he was in the room. He should have but, sung. He should, for his first number. He should have sung the D I V O R C E, uh, but I'm, with M U R D E R C O L U M B O. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, but this guy, this director comes out, and these film fans who are dedicated oh. enough to come to a movie studio to oh. watch a night of live incidental music being performed, which let's face it, is very boring. Hmm. Um, they don't know who this director is. It's a bit mad, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, and he's it's also like Spielberg coming out to do a John Williams night. And everyone going, who's this, who's this guy? Yeah. Yeah. And the, and and his speech is like the worst father of the bride speech you've ever had to oh, see it yeah. through. It's, uh, yeah. But the, the, the crowd love it. They, <laughs> yeah, but it's, yeah. it's very odd. But I keep thinking the director looks because he's wearing those like that shorthand director jackets they used to wear. Oh yeah, the sort and of it makes me think of Burt Reynolds and Boogie Nights. Yeah. Oh yeah, those ones. The, yeah. Like the sort of like David Letterman would wear, sort of yeah, yeah that sort of thing. Yeah, they, they, probably where they keep all their angles <laughs> and, and all their all their lenses. They're, they're yeah. always looking through things at lenses, aren't they? They are. They lie down with a lens on. Mm. But when uh, your man, when Gabe falls, mm. and everyone runs outside because McGowan's daughter runs in and screams, mm. um, Billy Connolly might as well just come out and say he did it because he's just looking yeah. around in the most sus way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he says uh, tragedy. So young, so talented. Poor Rebecca. <laughs> he was like a son to me. Mm. He says at one point as well. I didn't murder him. <laughs> what? Nothing. Um, so yeah, maybe dial it down a bit. Yeah. So then we we cut to the police being on the scene, and we get Sergeant Dejamo, who's that guy who used to be in everything. Yeah, I like this guy. I love this guy. He was the one in the Fugitive who told that story, and then Tommy Lee Jones. They find the handcuffs. He says. Do you want to change your bullshit story, sir? <laughs> like him. I, I, um, I did check. He's still alive, and he's still yes. and he's still working. So yeah, good for him. Yeah, I think he's nineteen at this point. <laughs> <laughs> he did a paper out paper yeah. round in the, the Helmand province. Yeah. <laughs> Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com people today. Yeah, so we meet Columbo fittingly of one of his last episodes, literally on his hands and knees. Yeah, just looking terrible. Oh, God. <sighs> At least they're not dyeing his hair anymore. Yeah, and they've not done the thing where they sort of made it all stand on end like he was Einstein, mm. uh, which they did in a few sort of mid-90s episodes, which, yeah. I, you know, he just looked like a homeless person. Um, yeah, they've, they've dialed that down a bit, but I think at this point... the the studio are just so disinterested in making this program they're just you know point a camera at him cut the budget back as much as we possibly can and he'll give up eventually <laughs> we don't every year he would sort of go to them and you just sort of demand more money and 
eventually they just called his bluff and said, yeah, we're just not going to make this anymore. Or they could have made one last series called The Trial of Columbo. Yeah. Where he he falls into the Matrix. (laughs) (laughs) Where the villain is is, uh, the future incarnation of Columbo. Future Columbo, like Mark Ruffalo or something. In a a nicer uh, raincoat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we've just got off on a Doctor Who tangent. There. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Columbo immediately notices that there's, that there's wet blood from his head, from Gabe's head, but dry blood on his wrist. Yes, and he's already f- and he figures out immediately that Gabe did not scream when he fell mm. from the roof. Which there's there's some good stuff here though because he says, "Did you hear him scream?" And then the guy's like, "Well, she screamed." She <laughs> yeah. goes, "I couldn't stop screaming." Yeah, they don't seem to be able to get... Well, I mean, they have just witnessed a dead body fall in front of them, so yeah. I suppose they are a bit traumatised mm. to be uh, to be being questioned by this mad person. But uh, he's... Yeah, he's he's pretty much got the case solved now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He immediately... We might as well just cut to the end. Yeah. I think as well... I, th- I think this is another one in the original script there was a you can find the whole original script online by the way um it's on i think there's a link on the colombo file uh site but mm. um i think there was some stuff about uh there was going to be some stuff that he would he, he would have been facing a different direction if he was on the roof to conduct for some reason uh, yeah. and uh i think maybe the wind or the sun or whatever he was going to colombo was going to figure things out for that and the scream thing was going to be left to later to be figured out, but McGowan decides no fuck subtlety. I want a great big balloon to come up and smother Columbo. Yes. <laughs> Tell him he's got another. Or you should have, because he's been on the roof for so long, when he lands, there could be a small family of pigeons nestling on him. <laughs> I've seen this guy conduct before, Lieutenant. I've never seen a pigeon on him. <laughs> I've saw him. My wife's big fan of pigeons. Uh, he goes up to the roof with Dejamo and the security guard. And he's like, why was he up here? And the guard explains, he's always up here. He listens on that radio and he conducts. And he's like, oh, okay. And then Columbo proves this. And because, you know, in these later ones, they're long episodes, you mm. have to have some padding. Oh, there was a lot of padding in this. Oh, my God. It's coming a whole sequence coming. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's he a proves it by standing there and conducting in silence on his own. Yes. <laughs> what, what are you doing? This is the point where you're just like, I don't think he's, I don't think both these paddles are in the water at this point. No, I think, I mean, they're at the department. We never get to see Columbo's boss, do we? We never see uh-huh. the whoever the police commissioner is or, or whoever, but I'm sure they're just like, when's this guy retiring? Can we not get him moved off? I want it to be that scene from Point Break. He's like, you don't get it, do you, Columbo? Because you're young, dumb, and full of cum. <laughs> That's right. Flame special, sir. That's right. I am. I mean, it's like uh, it's like really us old faithful going off there. You should see the inside of my car. I, I caught my first tube today, sir. <laughs> my wife's a big fan of surfing. <laughs> Gonna catch these uh these pres- dead president bank robbers. I am sure. <laughs> this is your new partner, Colombo, Angelo Pappas. <laughs> Angelo, great name. My wife loves Angelo Pappas. That's that's a that's a hat stand. Sorry about that. Ah. I'm a bit, I'm a bit she miles. <laughs> Sorry, I've just got Columbo doing Point Break. Yeah, it's a much mean, better film. It is, yeah. <laughs> There's not many films that wouldn't be improved by having Columbo in them. But I mean, Jesus. Him at the party with uh, Bodie and all his men. <laughs> not uh, not standing out at all, even though he's a 73-year-old man. <laughs> to me, you see, you see Bodie surfing, you see. It's a way of life. <laughs> My wife loves surfing. 
<laughs> Talk a lot about your wife, Clumbo. When are we going to see her? Oh, we're going to see her one day. Sure, yeah. sure. Maybe, uh, or, or maybe he could have been in uh, Tinto Brass's Caligula. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I love these orgies, Emperor. But I just, I mean, my, my wife, she's not, she's not so king. She's not so king. But I love that. I love that head chopping machine that you got going there. That's that's, that's ingenious. What's so you, you, this thing goes around and it just chops off all the heads? Oh, Robert Robert oh, Culp, Robert Culp having an orgy and turning around going, for God's sake, man! You're you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're picking a hard boiled egg and the shell's going in my buttocks. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Because <laughs> Robert Culp was the best angry one. He was, yeah. Or you could have um, you could have Donald Pleasant shouting about liquid filth. Yeah, it's <laughs> liquid filth all over my face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that, sir. I was aiming for the spittoon. Catch <laughs> your face. Oh, dear. I should uh, mention the time when uh, a friend of this show, David K. Barnes, came round to my. Mm. He came round to my flat once, and he brought the mm. DVD of Caligula, and uh, oh, which nice. was which was a present from his gran. Wow. Uh, because you, you like the Romans, don't you? Here's a film mm. from about the Romans. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, it's it's a bit about the Romans. It's yeah. a bit about the Romans. Uh, yeah, so I, mm. yeah, I watched. Uh, is that, I mean, watching Caligula is an experience uh, as it is. Watching it with David K. Barnes is you know an experience all of it. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I bet you two were, you knew each other better after. I, f- I feel that we did. Yeah, come in and know me better, sir. Can I put Caligula on? Was this before it was sort of unrated? Uh, oh, I'm not sure. It was a sort of. I think it was an anniversary set. It had like four different cuts mm. of the film on it. Because you see, you see Winkles, Dinkles, and Fannies in that. Oh, oh, the, the, and like midgets, and uh, yeah. when when uh, Helen Mirren is giving birth, somehow you you see that, and oh yeah, mm. um, a lot. None of it is particularly pornographic in that none of it is at all sexy. Sexy, it's no. just you. It's just dirty, and it's you don't you don't feel nice about yourself. It's, it's, it. it's one of those things they show you at school. You know, talk about sex. I don't, know what, like I don't know what school you went to. Well, you know, when they show you like, here's a naked man, here's a naked uh, lady, here's yeah. a woman having a baby, and it's just like this. Is Here, here's Peter O'Toole watching two guards Tom. going at it. <laughs> Here's Peter Falk watching two guards go at it. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, we're talking about Columbo, aren't we? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're on the roof. Uh, he does his prof- pretending to, to perform. Oh, and then he says to um, to his to the sergeant, there's only two things that could have happened at this fall. One, well, he just says he was either dead or drugged because yeah. he made no noise. That's it. Yeah. Columbo has solved the case. He just needs to find out the guy who's done it. So he goes downstairs and meets Billy Connolly. Goes to his bungalow. Yes, back in the... Hmm. And Billy Connolly's not... I mean, I'm not saying Billy Connolly... I, I actually think Billy Connolly's very good in this. Yeah, I mean, he's not bad. He's not the problem with this. No. Um, much like the Johnny Cash episode, I think he's pretty good. Yeah, I, li- I like the Johnny Cash one, yeah. Oh, I love Johnny Cash one. Um, so Billy Connolly's like, oh, it's a, it's a terrible, terrible tragedy. Do you mind if I put really loud music on and compose to it? Yeah, and Columbo is yeah. stunned at the existence of music. Oh God! This is, I, I put here. He looks at Billy Connolly like a dog watching you dance. <laughs> <laughs> he just looks really confused. Like, and he, why is he waving his hands like that? He does the, and this goes on for an age. Age, yeah. and then they sing "Darling Clementine." What the fuck is this? And then we get more music, huh. and yeah, this scene is. I mean, originally, this the, the original script of this was over long, and they had to cut a whole load of it out. But then McGowan decided, do you know what? I want to fill this with padding. Oh my 
because I've got a tremendous sense of humour. <laughs> Anyone will tell you that, especially my wife. Yeah, especially Leo McKern when he had his heart attack in my dressing room. Patrick, I'm having a terrible heart attack. <laughs> Are you looking at me? It's just your eyes. Uh, <laughs> there might be someone outside called Patrick. Uh, too much of the Chateau Fleet Street rumpo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hope when Leo McCann had his heart attack he gripped both lapels <laughs> and then collapsed to the floor that's how Rumpel should die isn't it that is that's how he went yeah or both cheeks like a goatsy <laughs> she who must be obeyed oh. and it echoed yes um, yeah so yeah they need after this he then says oh well I saw Gabe the day before he died mm. uh, and then Columbus is like oh did he come here and he's like oh yeah well this is kind of his home from home he's always in here uh, he left that dry cleaners bag he left all his things on the left side of the cupboard help yourself I'm going home yeah I intend to drink drive yeah so then they come out and Columbus is like you know what it's not a good idea that you drink drive no and why don't I give you an escort home <laughs> and this goes on for about four hours. Oh Lord, yeah, this is, and I get this is McGowan wrote this scene. Um, right. So he's so Columbo decides to escort Crawford by driving in front of him at ten miles an hour. Yeah. And he's driving everyone mad, much as mm. Falk did on the set with his endless mm. retakes. Mm-hmm. And then he stops the car to ask about the baton, and then his car runs out of petrol. Yeah. And the it's. I mean, I can see what Columbo is trying to do. He's doing the Louis Theroux thing of distracting the guy while he's driving so we can, you know, get him to say stuff. Why do you think my car ran out of petrol? <laughs> As I left Bel Air, I couldn't help but wonder. But uh, it's... Yeah, so this goes on. Uh, Gabe's keys become a point of interest for some yeah. reason. But I think the problem is, is it's so interminable and it's so slowly paced that you just stop caring about what's happening. Yeah. And there's also that kind of... Oh yeah, we yeah we get some really we, we get comedy music, uh, yeah. and then although the funny bit is though, eventually when Columbo drives Crawford to his house in his car, Columbo's car mm-hmm. has reached the house before them. Yes, and that is funny. <laughs> but yes, that is good. And then as as Connolly goes in, annoyed with the whole thing, the sergeant says to him, "You know, your car had half a tank of petrol." And he goes, "Yeah, I know." Yeah. We don't get to see inside uh, Finley Crawford's house. I think this is one of the few baddies no. we don't get to see his lovely big house full of gadgets. I want a re- I, w- I wanted to see inside, and I wanted to, to be a repeat of that Magoo episode where he had all the man servants and spoke that weird language. Oh, <laughs> I thought it would be sort of like a, like the inside. It would be done up like a Scottish castle with you know oh, t- tartan, tartan with tapestries paper. and a, a huge picture yeah. of Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, <laughs> And uh, a, a German butler say, if you are Scottish lords and I am Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Or the butler from Mamma Two Brains. Yes. I'm about to retire, sir. You <laughs> seem so young. For the evening. <laughs> if, this condo, the walls are like tissue paper. Oh. Um, anyway, yeah, so we don't see inside his house, as you no, say. It's, uh, and, you know, Colombo baddie houses... Are one of the, you know, it's one of the. I hate you to use the word iconic, but that's one of the things of the series you want to. Yeah. Whenever I'm walking through a a part of town full of big houses, I always say to my mate, "Lord of Columbo baddies live around here." You know, it's it's those things. It's that world. 
even you when you get the the, uh, the episode i'm thinking of just the top of my mind the roddy mcdowell one, the short fuse mm. he lives in like a bungalow above or next to his mum and dad's child mansion and even the inside of his house is vast yes that sort of world because it's all sort of californian well-to-do people doing the murders yeah who live in giant bloody houses it's uh i mean it's uh you know i'm sure there probably have been academic papers written on the the class dynamics of colombo and mm-hmm. uh, you know he represents the the little man and you know these are and it's the i think there's a reason colombo appeals to children yeah is because you know the people he who are his who are the baddies are all they're very grown up you know they live in big houses and they're very serious Whereas Columbo yeah. is a bit shabby and he's funny and that you know so, so that's why kids all love him. I I mean I used to I used to watch Columbo when I was about eight years old, run at my grand's house, and I yeah I've always loved him for, like since that age because he's just so yeah. good. Yeah, I was glad when I grew up that it didn't turn out to be rubbish. <laughs> like a lot of things you yeah. watch when you're a kid. So, no, actually, you know what? This is brilliant. My parents used to watch it, and my abiding memory is you know at the end the music goes yeah. My mum used to sing brown bread every time. <laughs> and I'd forgotten that. And then when I bought the box set not long ago and I put it back on again, I just as a muscle memory mm. went brown bread. <laughs> and now I can't stop saying it every time it happens. That's Thanks, like the, it's like the, um, the, the Thames one. Here they are, oh. it's more come and wise. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> they then go through Gabe's personal effects. Yeah, and Columbo and the Sarge. Mm. Um, it's, yeah, in, in these later ones, they always give him a partner. Um, yes. And this one, it works, because I like this actor. Yes. Um, a lot of the time, it doesn't work. Sometimes they give him a, a partner who's a bit young. Uh, mm. But they, they miss the trainers again. Uh, yes, as they're as they're going through them. Well, they're, he's looking for house keys, isn't he? Yeah, but uh, the signpost the signpost Columbo's theory about him being drugged again. Mm-hmm. So that's and then we get another padding scene. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, I've written here. Columbo meets a police block, police locksmith who doesn't believe in building his part. <laughs> he turns up and he goes, "Ah, this arc's easy." Clink, clink, clink. Done it now. Bye. <laughs> yeah, but for about for about a minute and a half. <laughs> Yeah, true. But in terms of his dialogue, he doesn't say anything. No, but I, there's no reason for him to be there. And then as Columbo is looking around, again, this whole idea of this is a man who's just you know somehow got out of the home while the nurses weren't looking. He's mm-hmm. looking around Gabe's house, like muttering to himself, like Popeye. Oh, he's like, yeah. oh, what do you know? Yeah, what's going on here? Oh, and then he, then like a pervert in the night, he, walk, yeah. he walks in on Rebecca while she's asleep. Yeah, if if you if you don't know Popeye children listening, because obviously I get a huge audience of kids, mm. just think of the bit in ET where he's drunk too much beer. <laughs> he's wearing that dressing gown. <laughs> and that's what we're saying. Yeah, but Rebecca's in bed and she's like, Ugh, and he goes, oh, don't don't worry, man, my wife's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she, uh, he he you know he says he explains who he is and she's still really sad. Yeah. So. He- and then he asks if he can take a photo of Gabe that he found in the flat. Yes, so well, they're both wearing him and um, Billy Conley are wearing tuxedos in the picture. Mm, but Gabe, that is not Columbo. But, but the shoes. Gabe's wearing trainers, mm. and he wouldn't get into any nightclubs. No, he'd look. No. Uh, he would look like the uh, the cover art of the movie Mannequin. Oh yeah, you remember would. that? Where he's wearing the, he's wearing yeah. dinner jacket and bow tie up top, but it's party down below with the jeans and Converse. Isn't he also with one hand? 
pulling the sunglasses down the nose as well. Probably, I think the like, like I, I, think, I think it was the law uh, in fil- in film posters at that point. I immediately think of the cover to the film *License to Drive*. Yeah, with Corey Haynes doing that. <laughs> the two Coreys. The two Coreys. Yeah, that was a inseparable. Thing. They were. They were they like were. the American um, uh, Dennis and G and Dennis. <laughs> Punt and Dennis. Or, or Dustin G and Les Dennis. Ah. <laughs> because one of them sadly passed away. Yes, but as far and as we know, Corey Haim did a smashing. I don't really know. As, as far as we know, Les was not interfered with by Michael Jackson. No, or Charlie Sheen allegedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey Feldman said it. I didn't. Yeah, there we Sue go. Sue him. Yeah, Charlie Sheen allegedly. I respect Charlie Sheen because his his dad his brother was diminutive. Did you realise that? Really? Yeah, he was a small man in a biplane who who polished rooms. <laughs> 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 he had a voice strikingly similar to Willie Rushton. He did. He did. Right, Willie Rushton. Oh, God, Willie Rushton. You know, you know who'd be horrible to hang around with, Willie Rushton. Yeah, he would be. I know he was smart and funny on that, but he, he just looked like he smelled. <laughs> and and he, he was always talking about cricket. Oh, yeah. or drawing his drawing his little cartoons. <laughs> I got a fun fact about Willie Rushton. What's though. that then? He brought Tony Hancock's ashes back to Australia. Oh, I read that, yeah. Mm. Yeah, he snorted them. (laughs) Yeah, he brought them back. He had them in a little urn with the big fat airy legs. Hey! Hey! See you, Uh, there's a plaque to Willie Rushton at the Mornington Crescent Tube. There is. I've been to it. I I made Mm. a point one time when I was in London of visiting Mornington Crescent uh, because I'm a deeply tragic and sad individual. Is it because you're a secret Sassanac? Yes. <laughs> I saw, um, when I'm sorry I haven't a clue, toured, they came to Edinburgh about mm. about two weeks before Humphrey Littleton died. Oh. So I was one of the last people to see him alive. Uh, now Columbo's going to come for me. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You saw, you, so you were given a kazoo and you uh, had to look at the laser printer to see what was uh, you had to play on it. Is that right? Yeah. You, you, so Colin Sell was then strangled. <laughs> and, um, Jer- yeah. and Jeremy Hardy murdered an Abba song. Nice. Mm. R.I.P. Jeremy Hardy. Yeah. They're all gone now. Let's, uh, they are, aren't they? All the good ones are gone. Yeah, no. you can't just have Graham Garden on his own every week. No, I've not. I've not listened to it since. I'm afraid, so I've no idea. No. But, well, that's what Jack D wants you to. Be- what the MSM want you <laughs> to believe, according to Jack D. Oh dear, he's he's yeah. gone that way, has he? He has. He's gone, Chris Barry. Ooh, ooh, that was a that was a uh, that, was, that was a shock. Mm, I don't know. I was thinking he probably could have gone that way. He's, he'd been red pilled by spending all that time around that hardcore satirical spitting image uh, sketches. That's, you know, that's true. You know, after you've brought down Thatcher, you know, you you, you can't stop. You have to keep, you know, finding out, <laughs> get get going, find the real truth behind it all. You have to keep pulling the pillars of reality down as you run around the the palaces of justice. Yeah, just like down those red pills like a tuba smarties. I think if you've taken part in those last few series of Red Dwarf, you've get you've got every right to be annoyed yeah her life in general I, th- I think that there was a government conspiracy going on if i was involved in that yeah well it's a bit like the red pill is rob grant <laughs> the blue pill is doug naylor <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah there we are anyway Columbo. oh god yeah i remember that yeah. so he goes to the tuxedo rental place oh god and then we get some more padding here yeah 
He, but a man comes out and sort of apologises for everything. <laughs> and he, he goes there and asks them at length about Gabe without telling them that he's dead, mm. uh, which is quite unprofessional. So say, oh, yeah, that, that, nice, that nice guy that we used to rent the suits to. How is he? Is he uh, what's up? And uh, Columbo doesn't say anything. He's just is asking questions. Oh, well, is he going to come and return his suit then at any time soon? We, uh, we intend to bury him in it. In fact, we're going we're gonna to cremate him. <laughs> we figured we just wanted to make... We didn't want any mess. So, I don't know, uh, there's a ticket here. It's like Colin Stagg all over again. Yeah, so you're not going to get your deposit back. <laughs> Although, ironically, he left some deposit on it. <laughs> when he died <laughs> uh, yeah so we find out that he didn't he, he well it's really weird because he sort of says I he came here and he was so excited about something we didn't know what and he want, he, we offered them a shoe he said I don't want them and then we gave them to him anyway because he was so confused and excited yeah I got lost in this scene and I'm like what I did he have the shoes or not yeah get it. but mm. Columbo seems pleased with himself mm. that he's made his discovery and that he's been uh, proven correct uh, from this Sort of Italian stereotype, waving his arms around, who's telling? Mamma mia, the suit! Uh, oh, I want, I'm, I'm working the tailor when I'm not at the pizzeria. <laughs> Papa the Poopy. me the tailor from the Hudsucker Proxy. Yeah, that's the one. He's such a nicer man. They give him double stitch anyway. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but it's very confusing. I mean, in terms of an information delivery system, this scene just doesn't work at all because. I'm very confused by it. Yeah, I think I just I think the I think they must have just been told we need X number of characters, and so Magoo yeah. is just writing extra people to put in, uh, but they serve no purpose and they don't further the plot at all. And the, no. yeah, the scenes are all extremely confusing. Because uh, then he goes to the studio where um, Billy Connolly is doing more conducting. Oh God! And they're going for a they're going for a take, and yeah, maybe the brass band. Maybe if you don't go for it so hard next time, right? maybe plug the violins into the gas mains. There, we'll get a better sound. <laughs> and then Columbo comes out with a brown paper bag and just starts going. <laughs> <laughs> and and, like, oh, what is it now? And again, this scene lasts oh, for my God. A, a, about half an hour, and. It's, I think it, this is another Magooan concoction. Stephen, did you want worry that this was a filler scene when a man in the background started, just stood up out of nowhere and went, when the moon is tonight, and everyone starts singing along? When they sing virtually the whole song? And I wanted, my name is John Dacre, to come out. That would have made the scene better. And then, Even Folk joins in. Yeah. Oh. He's, oh, he's having a lovely time because he doesn't oh know where God. he is. <laughs> It's like those, that footage of Norman Wisdom when he was in the old folks home oh, playing piano for everyone. <laughs> and doing his tripping up <laughs> and leaving his scripts around that he hopes that someone's going to read. Oh. oh, did I leave that there? Sorry, Mr. Oh, Grinstein. Oh. I think I was big in Albania, you know. The day the clown cried too. <laughs> I used to work with a girl who was from Albania and I did ask her, is it true that Norman Wisdom is God over there and yet she yeah. was immediately yeah she knows everything about Norman Wisdom <laughs> and Isn't that weird? yeah it was um, it was viewed as the he, he, he represented the proletariat fighting against the right. evil Mr. capitalist of Mr. Grimsdale <laughs> so he was the, you know, they must have been extra confused when they watched the early bird because Mr. Grimsdale is the least of the problems yeah and I mean it wasn't also wasn't Norman Wisdom a massive Tory <laughs> I think, I think, so, I think yeah. he was a huge Thatcher supporter I'm sure you, always, you know what he used to, oh, This sounds really mean. Yeah. Uh-huh. Why well, used to get pissed off at Normism? Because every interview with him, he was only five seconds away from crying. Yeah. 
He was like, well, I, of course, I grew up in London. And, oh, it was such a horrible world. Uh, shut up. I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel bad. Everything I've sort of subsequently read about him was that he was not a nice man. Oh, okay. So, I don't feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's been weird because all his teeth were wisdom teeth. Hey. Oh. oh, dear. But, yeah, this scene. Mm. Where... Oh, fucking hell. Yeah, go on. So, so, so Crawford decides he's going to explain to Columbo how music in movies works. This fucking idiot Columbo is here. Because he's never been aware of music in a film. He thinks you go there and it's it just plays out on silent, uh, just a dead background with, with dialogue on it. But our friend Finley decides to demonstrate by playing him the score from Psycho and then the fish picture. Mm-hmm. Because Columbo cannot remember the name of these... <laughs> The two of the biggest films of the 20th century. Two universal films as well, so of they're course. quite safe rights-wise. Yeah, we can, yeah. Uh, we can do that. But he's like, ah, the fish, the fish, the fish, and then the whole orchestra shout Jaws. And and then you should go, I'll have a pint. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Billy Connors should go, yeah, but that film with the wee lass, it can only get an orgasm when she's got a cock in her mouth. <laughs> you know that one? I did the music to that one before I had grey pews. <laughs> No, I haven't seen that one. My wife's a big fan, but I haven't seen that one. Sure. <laughs> Have you seen the one <laughs> where uh, Stanley Kubrick makes them beat the woman to death with the big marble dildo? Oh, no, I haven't seen uh, that so one. That's tremendous. My wife's big fan of that one. Sure. I did the, the speeded-up version of the uh, William Tell Overture on the Bon Tempe for that one. <laughs> My first job it was wonderful. <laughs> Stanley Kubrick's a lovely man. Sometimes he'd come at me with a sword. A bit frightening. <laughs> I can tell you a story about uh, McGowan and Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, go on. About how in the first episode of The Prisoner, there's a bit mm. where number six is looking at the stars at the vi- uh, in the village. He's trying to figure mm. out where he is. And yeah. he, he couldn't get a good shot of a star field. Mm. Um, they filmed some when they were out at Port Marion, but they didn't come out very well. Mm. And he's in the studio, like going through the stock footage, trying to find a decent one. And this geezer comes in from the studio next door. like, And they get talking. And McGowan says, yeah, I'm looking for this you know, Starfield. I said, oh, we're making a space film next door. Just come and do that. And oh. it's, of course, it's 2001 they're making. Yeah. And I think they did something, like maybe they flipped the image or turned it upside down or something, because if if uh, Kubrick had found out they'd used his Starfield, he would have murdered somebody. Yeah, yeah. And, if, and it wasn't until Kubrick was dead that this story came out. <laughs> that Magoo, Yeah, that Magoon stole the 2001 Starfield for the first episode of The Prisoner. That's an amazing fact. Mm, it's one of my faves. Well, I mean, there's that's so many good. amazing facts about The Prisoner, but yeah, that's one of the ones that's up there. But uh, yeah, and it's, it's a nicer thing to think about than this endless orchestra scene. But uh, Yes. Mm, but Crawford, Crawford gets cocky. He certainly he does. because he starts to play. Gee, why don't we play the recording from when the man was murdered? That won't traumatise <laughs> anybody. Yeah, and he forgets. Yeah. The, you can hear the lift going up. Mm, what a clatter. Yeah. He gets very annoyed. He says, uh, you, why are we playing the dirty version? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, sorry about that. No, he doesn't. That's Columbo. He says, sorry about that, sir. He turns it off. But Columbo's heard it. Yeah. He knows. He's, he, he knows what it is. 
And then he brings out of his bag a photo of the, him and Gabe going to a premiere or whatever it was in their tuxedos. Mm. And says, uh, you, you, it's weird, isn't it? Because when he died, he was wearing dress shoes. But as you can see here, apparently he always wore trainers. Yeah, because he was an eccentric. He was an artist. Uh-huh. You know, sort of man who would pretend to conduct on a rooftop. He was mental. Fucking attention-seeking prick. Oh, I know. I, I, I know. I've, I've had too many drama students around me in my life to, you know, yeah, I've a million of these people. When I was at media college, we were next door to the performing arts, so I saw like people like this all the time. <laughs> uh, and you wanted to murder them by dropping them I off a roof. To murder them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Crawford goes, well, you know what? He was so excited about this live go of his first proper concert. He probably hired some. Yeah, he wanted to wear the shoes, but they didn't give him the shoes they just threw them in and then just one more thing Uh, Gabe wore size 9 sneakers and these shoes are wrong because the man in the shop is an idiot yeah a big crying idiot it might be Norman Wisdom (laughs) (laughs) I gave him a pair of shoes here it was such lovely shoes I wouldn't trust him as a tailor look how his trousers only come halfway down his his calf you know yeah god I'm lazy so Yes, so Columbo yeah. is he's piecing it together, but he's still bothered by the baton, the missing baton. Yes. Mm. So he goes back to the roof at night to check. Yes. Um, and he, he goes to the lift shaft entrance. Yeah. And then he calls the director. Is it him calls? Yeah, yeah Crawford. Called, yeah. Crawford. Well, Crawford's Billy Connolly. The director's called oh, yes. Sid- Ritter. Sidney Ritter, that's it. Ritter. Sorry, not Crawford. And um, he arranges to meet the director uh, while Columbo was working the shaft. Me- <laughs> Meanwhile, Crawford... See, I've got my names mixed up in my notes here. Yeah. Crawford breaks into Gabe's house mm. um, with the key that they're all trying to look for because he's obviously kept it. We saw him take it at the beginning, didn't we? Yes. And uh, he goes under the bed of Gabe's flat and finds the original killer score. Yeah, which he has handily <laughs> labelled written on my original yeah. one, What I Wrote. Yeah. And the one that was stolen by Finley Crawford. That's right. And... Um, but then this doesn't go anywhere, this uh, no. this little subplot. We don't find out what he does with these, or I don't think anyone even notices that they're gone. Oh, no, they do later. No, Becca does. Yeah, Becca realises right later. But, yeah. yeah, we never find out what he did with them. No. I put them over my grape, young. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Crawford taking it. Meanwhile, Columbo is still looking for this baton. Mm. And he goes with Ritter down to the elevator shaft to have a look round. Yeah, uh, the, the, the director explains... Oh, yeah. He explains what this elevator is for, mm. and it makes no sense. No sense, because it's a roof. Yeah. Yeah, it should it's, be. It's for a sound. It's like a, he's, he's describing it like it's a soundstage elevator, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, where it's really mm. it's for it's for moving equipment. And, mm. yeah, he says this, this, oh, this hot young director was given anything he wanted by the studio because he was mm. his first film had been a huge success, and he needed this specific shot. And I'm trying to, for the life of... I mean, I didn't go to film school, so I have no idea, mm. but I can't for the life of me imagine what type of shot he wants from an elevator coming up onto a roof. Apparently with a machine gun, the director mentions. Yeah, he does, yeah. I, no, I'm totally baffled. Um, I can't imagine that it. The director's name was Yui Ball. <laughs> <laughs> apparently he's no apparently he's not directing some crummy sitcom i would have said he's directing some shitty detective show that would have been the, yeah. that would have been the joke i would have put in there but would have. then you pat mcgoon would have yelled cut and killed you. <laughs> yes he'd have smashed a, a whiskey bottle into my face <laughs> ah but while while he's rooting around in the dark colombo does find one thing mm, he does the baton yes and the director's very excited he loves a murder mystery oh. you found a clue oh, yeah. i love clues yeah mm. 
and he takes I this to Rebecca. Terry Clues, the Japanese guy. I love he was something. I love Martin Clues. Yeah, Martin Clues. Yeah, from Men Behaving Sadly <laughs> and Neil Musselly. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird to think because we associate Columbo with the 70s as I say this was filmed in 98 and that would have been the height of Men yeah. Behaving Badly's popularity what, 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 what was being an American TV in 98 but the X-Files fad had kind of passed the X-Files I think but, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer CSI yeah uh, NYPD Blue oh no that had finished mm. by that point I think mm. but uh, yeah and you, know, you can see why no one was watching Columbo because yeah yeah, a lot of everything had moved on. A lot of huge shows. Oh, Frasier. Were, yeah, Frasier, Frasier was the biggest thing on TV at that point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Friends, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, yeah, you can you know again, it's just deeply sad that Peter Fox just there still trying to plug away on this. <laughs> and you get the impression from what you were talking about his set behaviour and Magoon especially, mm. still thinking it's like a very important program that everyone loves. Yeah, I mean, and the thing was, I mean, with Peter Falk, he could be difficult with, not with actors to an extent, but with the studio people. Um, But he would would stand up for people. He would, um, I mean, at some point in the 90s, they had a a script editor. It was just one guy, and it was his his first job. And he was extremely overworked, and he was on his own. And Peter Falk went to them and said, you know, we had to either give this guy a massive raise or get someone else in to help him because he's going to get a better job and he's going to go. And when the guy got a better job, Peter Falk didn't blame him at all. You know, he went off with his blessing, but then Falk went back to the studio execs and totally tore them apart as well. Wow. So, you know, we lost this this guy because we weren't looking after him. And, you know, so, yeah, uh, Falk could be difficult, but I think a lot of it came from a good place. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, he was was a good guy, I think. Yeah. I'd I'd recommend his, uh, his... It's not really an autobiography, but he wrote a book called Just One More Thing, which is basically just a series of anecdotes. Hmm. Like, he's just, you know, for a couple of hours a week, he'd just come in, sit down, and think of a funny story, and he'd just type it out, and then he'd just go off, potter off, and do something else for a bit. And so it's just a load of these unconnected tales from his life. And they're, they're quite a nice read to dip in and out of. Do you know he was in... Do you, do you remember that film, The Sunshine Boys, with Jack Lemmon and... No, sorry, Walter Matthau and George Burns? I know it. I've not seen it. <clears throat> it's a famous Neil Simon thing. Yeah, <clears throat> their version's impeccable. It's so good. Mm. Uh, they did a remake for TV in the mid '90s, and it was Peter Falk and Woody Allen. Oh, <laughs> all right. Uh, it's not worth watching. No, I can't imagine no. it would be. <laughs> Once you've seen Walter Matthau play a very angry character, I don't think Peter Falk's going to cut it. <laughs> I don't uh, think so. No, I think actually Woody. No, I can't remember who's playing who. Anyway, oh. so, um. Uh, Columbo goes to see Becca. Yes. And says, look, I found the baton. Yeah. And is, this, is this the one? And she reads the inscription. Yes, it says, ride me like a bitch, fuck pig. Yeah, which is amazing to be able to write that in the music notes A to G. That's right. Yeah. I don't know how he did it. No idea. Um, but she explains, you know what, Gabe Gabe and Crawford weren't getting on towards the end. He's like, what do you mean? She, she mm. drops the bomb. The, the, the killer that won all the big awards, that's Gabe wrote that. Yeah. And you know what? We can go over and find it under his bed. So they go over to his flat. Not there. Yeah, because when, when he was getting me in the mood, he would show me his music scores mm. and talk about Billy Connolly and his grey pubes. Yeah. <laughs> and he feed me quavers. <laughs> I do the nine times table to delay it, you know. But he brings this bat on and he's waving it around and he's giving it to Becca to handle. That's a piece of evidence. Mm. 
and uh, it's not. Well, I thought that earlier when they were at the bungalow, and he just <coughs> put all of Gabe's possessions in his arms. Oh yeah, and they just carried them out and just chucked them in the car. <laughs> they might have precious DNA on them. Uh, well, I think wow. I, th- I think uh, someone's precious DNA is gone. Uh, uh, <clears throat> so, yeah. Crawford, meanwhile, he's mm. scoring a new movie, mm. and he shows it to the director to uh, Ritter. Yeah, and Ritter's like, he's, "Hey, can, can can I have a word with you?" And he's like, "Yeah, no problem." He says, "That that was all." He goes, "That was awful." Yeah, that was shit. Yeah, I, he goes, I, "I say it how it is," and that was terrible. He said, um, "You've got." Uh, he says, "It stinks." Sorry, mm. and he says, "You've got till tomorrow to fix that." <laughs> and then as he walks off, he says, "Don't depress me, baby. Make me happy." Because <laughs> apparently Cause that's, what, that's, it's, it's, that's how directors talk. That's right. They say "baby" after every. Yeah, um, yeah, because it's the end of a film where it's a big love, a big you know, like climax yeah, the, of a film. He, he meets the the girl on a beach and they walk off yeah. together. I've no idea what this film's about. It looks terrible. It looks awful. Yeah. Um, and then at that moment, Columbo turns up and says, um, uh, "Just, just you know, I just got some questions for you." And Connolly's like, "Yeah, fine, whatever." And he goes, "Yeah, it's just you know this homicide we're investigating." He goes, homicide. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, yeah, I think he was murdered. And I was thinking maybe you could help us find the killer. Yeah. But he's not wanting it. He's wanting to get out there. He realises yeah. he's in too deep. <clears throat> but Columbo has got the lift working. That's right. And so he's he's coming to demonstrate it to Crawford. So he, mm. this is what was interrupting your, your recording. That's so pretty at this bit. Yeah. <laughs> so then they, yeah, so they, they go up to the roof. Yeah. And... Uh, what is this? Some kind of charade. Oh, Becca's got an electric keyboard. Oh, looking... Well, looking like she's just lost someone very dear to her and she's been roped into an awful bit of sort of Agatha, Agatha Christie by a, yeah. a crazy person. And uh, Magoon's daughter's there. Yeah, with her fellow Tony. Um, quite what... This is... I mean, it's a very typical late Columbo sting that was not in yeah. the... It wasn't in the original script. Um, again, by. this is a, another Magoon thing. This is similar to the previous episode we did, um, Rest in Peace, Mrs. Columbo, where everyone invited to Mrs. Columbo's funeral didn't even know her. Yeah. <laughs> just so he could do a sting operation. Have you re- have you reviewed the one yet? Oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the one where he sets up the man with a whole load of actors. And no. so basically, oh, everyone the murderer has encountered was an actor that Columbo had somehow hired. Oh, and he no. introduces them all at the end, like it's a curtain call. And then you get a, a shot. It's possibly the nadir of Columbo where he is wearing a ringmaster's outfit as if the guy's hallucinating and Columbo dresses a ringmaster and then suddenly he's back in the raincoat. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. I've seen pictures of that. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Oh, it's poor. <laughs> but The closest I can think of that in classic Columbo is the George Hamilton one with the blind guy. Oh, what was that again? It, the, the blind. He drove into a driveway where, where the murder happened and, and he nearly ran over a blind guy. Oh, yeah. And then Columbo brings the guy at the end, and George Hamill's like, "Well, it doesn't matter. He's blind, and he wouldn't have seen me driving then." Da 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 da. And it turns out the guy was a twin brother of a blind guy. He wasn't blind. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good one. Though. There's so uh, much evidence. In, I, I'm mm. sure when Columbo gets back to the station, mm. a lot of his cases get thrown out immediately because right. there's a lot of circumstantial evidence and also these people can afford very important expensive lawyers if oj simpson got off yes. do you think george hamilton in that episode will get off yes exactly so yeah this one especially yeah there's no he way he presents he gotchas 
Billy Connolly here with no evidence. Mm, yeah, there's zero evidence. There's no way Finley Crawford is going down for this. He's going to have a ten mile per hour chase down that. Maybe that's what they were referencing. No. Yeah. No, they uh, couldn't have been. Mm. Well, it would have been better if, if Finley got in his. Uh, I'm trying to think of a Scottish car. Uh, um, there's no such thing. <laughs> no, like a mini metro or something. Yeah, that would do. And he gets chased down the highway at ten miles an hour, <laughs> holding a bat onto it. And they're all they're on the. Uh, there's a load of Scottish people on the uh, on the flyover with the yeah. go begin go <laughs> on on signs. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we get so he, he gotches in with the fact that the baton fell down the hole. Yes, which could only have happened shaft. if the door was open. Yeah, and uh, because the handle would have stopped it falling down the hole. Sorry. Yeah, and also Columbo in an earlier scene he went to the coroner and he got him to check out the cut on his wrist, which every, even though Columbo spotted it and got him to take a photo of it, the coroner somehow missed it, hmm. and they found it because the blood, the fresh blood on that wound was full of sleeping draft, which somehow Billy Connolly knew about. Yes. I don't He says, Oh, I take it all the time after my wife died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of okay. true. We should have we should have had that earlier. Hmm. But um and then I don't get because Columbo is needing to be put in a home, he doesn't know the word unconscious. Yeah. And uh yeah. So and basically Crawford says, uh, do you know what it's a fair cop. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll well, come no, no, quietly. Next, he presents the killer evidence. Of oh the yes, piece of paper in the tuxedo pocket, which are musical notes that spell the words "Gabe Becker, Becker Gabe." Yeah, and then Connolly goes, "Uh, well, you know, one question is, what what are the bands and orchestras like in prison?" <laughs> he goes, "They're actually quite good, sir. I'll have a word with the judge. I'll talk to the the guy. At, I can't let you get a, a concert at San Quentin." Oh no, I put him away too. <laughs> oh, and also he drops the bomb that the shoes were too big, as we mentioned earlier. Yeah. But he doesn't, Billy Connolly doesn't fight it at all. He just goes, ah, oh, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, very they very seldom do. They usually well, I'm just. I'm thinking of the Shatner one where he tried to shoot him. Yeah, that's... Cash was going to kill him. I think that's uh, mm. yeah, that's sort of the. They're kind of the exceptions. Very, very often, mm. I think Columbo has. He has sort of browbeaten the, the the murderer so much and just driven yeah. them to the edge of their mental abilities that it but comes as a relief that he finally springs them. Yeah, but also he's usually got overwhelming yes verbal evidence of what's happened, <laughs> or they just say, "I did it." <laughs> yeah, this one is just neither party is asked. It's just like, "Oh, no. I found some of this stuff," and he's like, "Yeah, fair we fi- we finally made up the runtime, guys. We can go home." And then um, Becker teaches Columbo how to play this old man, but he says it's a song his wife likes. And he wants to play it for her on her birthday. <laughs> Good God. Oh, God. I mean, but poor Becca, I mean, she's traumatised. And now she's yeah. having to teach this tramp on a rooftop how to play nursery school level piano. Uh, although Crawford does sign autographs for the the witness couple before. Again, far too keenly. <laughs> No problem. Because he knows he's going to get out. He's going to talk to... I'm going to prison. I'm no going to phone up OG's lawyer and I'll be out in no time. <laughs> um, back there we go. Banjo. There we go. That was... Yes. There we are. That was murder with too many notes and grey pubes. Mm. And uh, after this... I mean, Falk did continue to work on Columbo scripts, but only one more got produced. Columbo likes the nightlife. Which I've never seen. Never seen. Um, I th- actually, I may have seen a bit of it. I've never seen it all the way through. But everyone tells me not to watch it. Yeah, it's quite poor. 
I think after this and the last one I watched, I think the next one I'd do is back to the classic era because it's quite sad watching these. It ones. is. I think. I mean, well, mm. the seventies aesthetic is what makes Colombo the the houses yeah. and the all the different shades of beige and brown. The sort of the look of the late nineties ones is more a sort of Channel Five softcore yes. Friday night film, and it's not. Uh, it's a bit grim. It feels like he's been frozen in ice and has been defrosted in <laughs> modern day. <laughs> right, yes. so we've got a couple of... Sorry, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll do that again. Right, Stephen, well, that's the end of the podcast. Mm. Oh, one more thing. Ooh. My wife loves the television. <laughs> What's your fave and least fave Columbo episodes? Uh, well, my my very fave whenever it comes up is the uh, the bye bye sky high IQ society or is that what it's, called? it's something like that? It's like a mad title. Bye like high sky high IQ murder case. That's the one. Um, I just that because that's one of the ones that has a clever murder in it. And yes, it's, it's very eccentric. And he well, get yeah. and he tricks the guy into mm-hmm. giving himself. That's the that's what they always get wrong in the later ones. The, yes. the the murders don't necessarily have to be clever. Very often they just turn around and bludgeon someone over the head. It's the mm. it's the solving that's the clever bit. Mm. It's the, the the murders in the, these nineties ones. It, they're far too convoluted. Um, but yeah, there's that one, uh, Fade into Murder with Shatner, uh, which I think yes. you've also covered. I haven't covered that one yet. Haven't you? Oh, no. oh, well, you're in for a treat then when you do that one. Or I've I've watched it. I just haven't done an episode. <laughs> yeah, and mm. um, a stitch in crime with Nimoy. Nimoy, that's a great. One. That's another. And that's one of the rare ones where Columbo loses his temper. Columbo becomes yes. angry and uh, shouts at him. Mm, that's a that's a that's a good one. And also, that's one of the that's one of the nastier murders as well. Yes, um, and, and a very nasty attempted murder uh, yes. later on in it. Mm. Yeah, those I would be my. Know. I think those would be my faves. But I'd I'd watch any of them. Yeah. yeah. Mm. What's your least favorite? Is it just the entire nineties run? Uh, well, there's probably a few I could pick out from those. There's, uh, well, I mean, the, the one that everyone hates is Last Salute to the Commodore, um, oh, for God, many yeah. reasons. Um, yeah. There's uh, what's the another one? McGowan? Yes. Uh, and well, <laughs> Columbo likes the nightlife, which I've never been able to to watch. <laughs> for the and there's one, and there's a very bad '90s one I can remember called Columbo Cries Wolf, mm. uh, which is about a sort of I think he's a nightclub owner or a sort of Hugh Hefner type guy, and his uh, his his wife goes missing, and Columbo thinks it's murder, but it turns out she's just sort of made herself disappear for a publicity stunt. But then he does murder her. Thinking that Columbo is gonna, he's he's been disgraced. He's not gonna be allowed to get on the case, but Columbo does it. But it's it's very bad. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah, that's not a fun one, and it has a very <clears throat> contrived uh, solution as well on that one. Yeah, right. those that's probably my least favorite. Okay, well, thank you for that, Stephen. It's been very nice. Oh, Ooh. just one more question. Oh no, my wife's uncle is a big fan of modern television. If Columbo was on now, who would be? What would be your plot? Who would be the celeb murderer, and what's it called? Ah, well, in terms of my plot, I think your proper seventies Columbo baddies—they're always tech savvy. They've always got mm. gadgets, haven't they? Mm. And mm. I think so. Nowadays, it would have to be uh, something that's big in the tech world now. So I, th- I think an influencer—it would be some kind of feud between influencers—would be the plot. Someone's getting. You know, they've got millions and millions of viewers, and uh, an influencer is killed during a live unboxing. Or something explodes when he opens it, or flies out and injects him in the neck, or uh, or it's a girl trying on some kind of makeup and it poisons her. And it would the celebrity murder would have to therefore be Lad Baby, 
mm-hmm. <laughs> or or uh, Logan Paul. Uh, yeah. yeah, I have to keep it American. So Logan Paul or yeah. something like that. And uh, it would be called Like and Subscribe for Murder. Oh, I love that. <clears throat> or Murder for Clicks. That's both very good. Yeah, that was it. It would be so. So you see, uh, you send these internet messages down the phone line and your people watch this stuff. And they, uh, I mean, my wife just likes to watch... Coronation Street. I don't know what they watch in America. Melrose Place. Yeah, I don't even know what a video recorder works really. Watching television on a computer, on a phone, you see. Now a phone. I got a phone here. Yeah. So it would be colourable, confused by the internet age. Mm. And yeah, <clears throat> I think that would be a, a big one now. I think what you could do, you could do a Christmas special, right? Mm-hmm. Where Columbo defrosts Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> and Inspector Morse visits on holiday, Ooh. and they all serve a, solve a murder. They could do it for the ITV telethon. They could, <laughs> and it could be called uh, a, a, tr- a trilogy of murder. Yeah, that yeah. would do. <laughs> That'd be good. Well, Stephen, I've got no more questions. Ah, oh, thank goodness. Yeah, you've been very helpful today, sure, thank you. Thank you. Can I go now? Can I go and uh, just check on my grey pubes? You certainly can. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure as always. Pleasure. And go and buy Stephen's book, which is called... The Faces, Faces of, Fascism. of Fascism. Yeah. Available in all good bookshops. Mm, and some shit ones. And some shit ones as well. Goodbye. In the cavern, then the canyon, excavating for life. Established part of your test. <laughs>